miracle if anyone did, and miracles don't happen. No, he added as though to himself with a kind of peculiar satisfaction, miracles don't happen. As the words left his lips, there came a sudden knocking at the door. Mr. Dinsmead stayed as though petrified. Whatever's that? he muttered, his jaw fell. Mrs. Dinsmead gave a little whimpering cry and pulled her shawl up round her. The colour came into Magdalene's face, and she leant forward and spoke to her father. "'The miracle has happened,' she said. "'You'd better go and let whoever it is in.' Twenty minutes earlier, Mortimer Cleveland had stood in the driving rain and mist surveying his car. It was really cursed bad luck.' Two punctures within ten minutes of each other, and here he was, stranded miles from anywhere, in the midst of these bare Wiltshire downs, with night coming on and no prospect of shelter. Serve him right for trying to take a short cut, if only he had stuck to the main road. Now he was lost on what seemed a mere cart track, and no idea if there were even a village anywhere near. He looked round him perplexedly, and his eye was caught by a gleam of light on the hillside above him. A second later the mist obscured it once more, but waiting patiently he presently got a second glimpse of it. After a moment's cogitation he left the car and struck up the side of the hill. Soon he was out of the mist, and he recognized the light as shining from the lighted window of a small cottage. Here, at any rate, was shelter. Mortimer Cleveland quickened his pace, bending his head to meet the furious onslaught of wind and rain, which seemed to be trying its best to drive him back. Cleveland was, in his own way, something of a celebrity, though doubtless the majority of folks would have displayed complete ignorance of his name and achievements. He was an authority on mental science, and had written two excellent textbooks on the subconscious— He was also a member of the Psychical Research Society and a student of the occult insofar as it affected his own conclusions and line of research. He was by nature peculiarly susceptible to atmosphere, and by deliberate training he had increased his own natural gift. When he had at last reached the cottage and rapped the door, he was conscious of an excitement, a quickening of interest, as though all his faculties had suddenly been sharpened. The murmur of voices within had been plainly audible to him. Upon his knock there came a sudden silence, then the sound of a chair being pushed back along the floor. In another minute the door was flung open by a boy of about fifteen. Cleveland looked straight over his shoulder upon the scene within. It reminded him of an interior by some Dutch master, a round table spread for a meal a family party sitting round it, one or two flickering candles, and the firelight's glow over all. The father, a big man, sat one side of the table. A little grey woman with a frightened face sat opposite him. Facing the door, looking straight at Cleveland, was a girl. Her startled eyes looked straight into his. Her hand, with a cup in it, was arrested halfway to her lips. She was, Cleveland saw at once, a beautiful girl of an extremely uncommon type. Her hair, red gold, stood out round her face like a mist. 
Her eyes, very far apart, were a pure grey. She had the mouth and chin of an early Italian Madonna. There was a moment's dead silence. Then Cleveland stepped into the room and explained his predicament. He brought his trite story to a close, and there was another pause, harder to understand. At last, as though with an effort, the father rose. "'Come in, sir. Mr. Cleveland, did you say?' "'That is my name,' said Mortimer, smiling. "'Ah, yes. Well, come in, Mr. Cleveland. Not weather for a dog outside, is it? Come in by the fire.' "'Shut the door, can't you, Johnny? Don't stand there half the night!' Cleveland came forward and sat on a wooden stool by the fire. The boy, Johnny, shut the door. "'Then's me, that's my name,' said the other man. He was all genius.